Hello, and welcome to another episode of Insane Rhetoric. Today's topic is bad Christmas gifts can get you convicted. Just saying. We're going to be talking about William Wallace, a California man who propped his wife up on a couch on Christmas Day as the children unwrapped their Christmas gifts. Come on in and enjoy the ride that is insane rhetoric. Welcome to Insane Rhetoric with my host, Miss. Hello, I'm Faye. Hey. I'm Faye, I'm here. We here this morning. It's Faye early known, in the morning. Faye, no. Did we finally get the hump day yet? Oh, we passed hump day. What day is it? This is Thursday. This, oh, is it Thursday already? It's Thursday. All right. Okay. We got, we got one more day till we're free. Free at last, free at last. Well, I'm an entrepreneur, so. <laughs> I, I don't talk to people like you. I free. <laughs> I don't talk to people like you. People like you are straight from the pits of hell. I free until I can't pay my bills because I ain't got no Mm-mm. job. But Mm-mm. I so- free. So it's, it's it's all good. Well, welcome to Insane Rhetoric with your your host Faye, also known as Ice and Mr. Tunes himself, aka Mr. Music, aka Fire. It takes a lot to cool me down. So we're gonna get into a story talking about a man out of I think he was out of California, Orange County. Yeah, Orange Anaheim, County, An- Anaheim, 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 California. California. I'm sorry, I'm, I'm sorry. Yeah, you know what? I want to make sure these people know. Again, we just talk about what we want to talk about when we want to talk about it. So if y'all be sitting up there listening to us talking about that's some old news. So yeah, I just hey, we hey. talk about what we want to talk about when we want to talk about it. Listen, I ain't here to be on the cutting edge for you when I need to be for you. I'm here for me because these are the issues that affect me when they affect me. So some might be old, some might be uh, rehashed, whatever the case. I'm just here to talk about them. That's all I care about. Okay, so so basically, this man, he killed his wife. Uh and then his name is William Wallace, y'all. Uh, he white. No, nah, he black. He black? He black. What? He killed his wife. He actually killed her nine years ago, but you know how the justice is supposed to be swift. Okay. No, that's 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 not true. It's okay. A, it don't say nothing about the justice being swift. It says that there is due process. That means it takes forever. <laughs> <laughs> he, he they finally convicted him justice is blind but not swift and it ain't blind either well they finally convicted him of second degree murder why he didn't get first degree okay i don't know but he he second degree murder his wife died nine years ago wait a minute did she die was she killed she died after he killed her that makes no sense, but okay. He died. He killed her. Because when you die, you just die. No, no, no. He, she died because of him. 
but, being violent to her. But that's what I'm saying. Like, that's what? killed. That you were killed. That wasn't dying. Dying is he something. Was ki- she was killed. K-I-L-L-T. She was killed. No, she was not killed. She was killed. <laughs> You're not going to entertain that foolishness. Okay, okay. No tomfoolery today. Okay. So, and he faces up to 15 years of life imprisonment. He only do 10. Now. Maybe he'll do 10. Might do 8. State. So this that's a, so, that's a state that's a state murder. So I mean, if you go to state penitentiary, he's uh they, they calendar year is a little different. So he'll probably only do maybe eight, eight or nine, half of that. But if it was a federal penitentiary, he would do all of it. So her, her name is Zazelle Preston. She was 26 at the time. Her name is or her name was oh. <laughs> Za, Z-A apostrophe Z-E-L-L Zazel Yeah Preston, 26 years old at the time Yeah, I can tell she was from the hood uh, So, what about her? So, basically they had a history of violence, domestic abuse and all of that going on So and he had previously spent time in jail for beating her Mm. and had been placed on a restraining order. And of course, he said, baby, baby, I'm sorry. I'm sorry they got back together. How you know he said that? You know that out. That's the way it go. Not all the time. Well, she might have said, baby, baby, I'm sorry. But somebody said, baby, baby, I'm sorry. That's my point. That's that's what I'm saying. Y'all out there always want to put it on the man like it's the man fault. No, sometimes it ain't that way. I'm I'm an opportunist. Everybody gets a share uh, share of play in in their tomfoolery. Come on now. He had been threatening to kill her for three years. She didn't catch the hint. And on Christmas, he made good on the threats. That's what uh that was that was uh, uh Heather Brown, district attorney, said that. That was so, a quote from her. So, so basically, somebody, one so, of the daughters, the daughter that was now she's 17 years old now, she's the oldest one. She said that they had been to a party at the neighbor's house, and when they came back, they were already fighting. They were arguing, arguing. It turned violent. And he pushed her mother into a glass table. Oh, that's, that's a classic. You see that on the movies all the time. She actually had to help him pull the glasses out of, the glass pieces out of her mother's body. And they took the body to the bathroom to clean it up before dropping her head on the toilet seat. So he bludgeoned her to death twice. So my thing is, this is probably going to be uh, real insensitive. <laughs> but uh, you didn't catch the hint when he said he was going to kill you. You didn't believe it? She was in love. She was probably afraid to leave. I don't know. 
the daughter says she thinks she hit she thinks the mother died when she hit her head on the toilet but he just put her down as if she was went to sleep and well, she says she remember she remember her mama felt cold well so I, if her mama felt cold she didn't hit she didn't die when she hit the toilet she died when she hit the glass table table mm-hmm. so so yeah uh I'm they didn't sure. call 911. Despite the head injury, they head in injury. They didn't call 911. And the next morning, it's Christmas Day. They went in the living room to open their Christmas presents. And he drugged the body down into the room and propped it up on the sofa. And she tried to touch her mama. And she was rock hard and cold. So rigor mortis had set in. She said mommy and the woman didn't respond. Yeah, that's kind of messed up. So they were both drunk from the party. And then she got injured. That's what his lawyer said. So my thing that is, he didn't intend to kill her. What, what, what? And then his uh, lawyer say that the daughter's story now conflicts with what she said before, shortly after the incident. Well, I mean, you think about some situations like that that is very traumatic for kids. Right. Uh, it, it, you're not going to have, that's that's the, one of the other problems that I have about uh, the, 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 the criminal justice system. They're looking for everything to be ironclad and perfect. That ain't how it go. Of course, you're going to have different things that conflict with. So, okay, so, so say for instance, me and you have an issue with somebody. And we go and handle this issue with this person. When we get there, it could be five people standing out on the corner. How police actually solve crimes one way is the simple fact if everybody has the exact same story, somebody's lying. Because nobody, no two or three people are going to see the same thing the same way and interpret it the same way. So they are looking for differences in stories. Because if you have if you have one perfect story, then they, they can already figure that you didn't talk to somebody and put that together to fabricate what was going on. So in the case of that kid, first of all, it's traumatic. You seeing your mama and your mama ain't responding to you when you calling her on fucking Christmas. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? So by the time they come back around and the mama is out the house and then they come and ask this child again, what did you see or what did you hear? Of course it's going to be different. But my thing is, dude, even though you got into it with this woman, you weren't going to call for help then you was going to be, you going to take it a step further, drag her out of where she was, put
put her up in the front row or wherever they Christmas was going on. on. The couch in the living room, like everybody else. Yeah. So what we'd be in the couch in the living room, the family room. So you got this chick up here watching TV, but she sleep sleep slash dead. And then you're gonna march your children in to put them in front of their dead mama to open up Christmas gifts. And then knowing what kids do, they're gonna go and try to interact with especially on Christmas. what were you thinking? Well, the jury had to, they had a variety of charges they had, including it was they had charges including involuntary manslaughter and first degree murder, but eventually they chose second degree murder. I want to know why they chose second degree murder instead of murder one. But probably because he said it wasn't his intent to kill her. That could have lessened the charge. They were both drunk and fighting. And he didn't mean to kill her. But you know what, though? That's kind of messed up. Because if we both tow up from the flow up, and I get the best of you, and you happen to what they call her at my job, expire. <laughs> like, who expires? Like a <laughs> of milk. <laughs> expire <laughs> then you get the end of the stick because now they're just sticking you with all the charges but it was both of us getting the best of each other whatever the case may be. I think that screwed up too look she was 26 and she was going to college taking classes hoping to become a domestic violence counselor had experience, life experience. Maybe that's why he got into it with her. That was a jump off. Maybe since he knew she was going to college and he didn't want his stuff to fall out the closet because the stuff that she was going for was directly linked to him and her situation. He didn't like it. Wait, he brought her down. She had sunglasses on. He put sunglasses on her. And he told the children, mommy ruined Christmas. She got drunk and ruined Christmas. So he was still mad at her. He done went to sleep and woke up mad at her again, talking about she ruined Christmas. Now he mad at her because she dead. He want to beat the shit out of her because she dead. Oh, I'm sorry. Did I say it? Oh, I'm sorry, America. <laughs> America, I'm sorry. I said that word. I'm sorry. Man, but I'm, I'm for real. I mean, that's apparently that's what it is. I mean, I guess, you know. I mean, I know we would have to do some digging on this, but. Look, she had a but, newborn son and two daughters at the time. Their daughters were three and eight. And now the oldest one. Eight-year-old is now 17 years old. When yeah. she, look, when paramedics got there, I don't know who called. But when paramedics got there, she slumped over. The woman slumped over in the, on the sofa. You just slumped over at the rigor mortis and sat in. You the rigor mortis keep you stiff. I don't know. And the only reason you have any 
Mobility is after they uh, drain all the bodily fluids and put in embalming fluid to be able to adjust the body for whatever service they're doing. Because when rigor mortis sets in, if you're pushing and pulling anything before that process happens, usually you would break it. So I think that they gave him second degree murder based on the fact that he already been in jail for 11 years. Because I think if he had had first degree murder, it would have been 25 to life. So I think they somehow, I think that's what happened because I'm reading this article right now. I think So they lessened so his charge because he was already in jail. Yeah, 15 to life instead of 25 to life. And he's probably has eligibility for parole. Like I said, huh? I don't know. I'm just, they uh, didn't, that's not like said, reported yet, but probably. If, it, if it's state, that means if he, if he shows up to be good, have good behavior, I don't know what type of behavior you can have is good in the penitentiary, but okay. <laughs> it's in California. Whatever. What's the California law? I don't know. We have to look that up. But still in all, I mean, <laughs> dude, what was you thinking? <laughs> so, but, but, but that speaks to, first of all, y'all, okay, women, men, children, whoever listening to this, you have a family member that's involved in domestic violence. Y'all just watch over there. I'm just... I think that's... Can y'all just watch over them and see if y'all can get them help? And if you can't get them help, just watch over them. I think that's... I think that's a... I think that's an anything situation. I think, like, we have come become so desensitized to helping each other it's just a free-for-all just whatever however you get down is how you get down but that ain't the way it used to be and I think that's one of the problems of the country is because we're not in tune with people anymore like I can tell you a story about um uh this lady that I knew um and I got a mutual friend that he and her were best friends. They grew up together in the same city and everything. And I came later to meet this meet this lady. But uh, one of the situations was she was in church and she was just overly stressful and stressed out of different, about different things. And she was taking care of her mom and everything. And one day we got a phone call saying that the lady had died. You know what I'm saying? That's not unusual. People die. Not unusual. But in the manner that she died was unusual. So uh, we were, they were telling me about the situation. And basically when the police and the paramedics got to the house, they found that she had overdosed on different prescription pills for, you know, whatever she was taking. 
for whatever she had or whatever the condition was. The problem that I had with the guy, and at this time we was all in the same uh, same circle. The problem that I had mm -hmm. with this guy who was is a minister is the simple fact that he didn't inform his pastor at the time what she was going through. So to me, because he knew and, and she was telling him not to tell nobody, but certain things that's going on in people's lives that's detrimental and could affect everybody else, you need to say something. It ain't, it ain't no, I'm gonna keep it 100, man. I'm gonna keep it a thousand, man. Bump that. It's, that's, that's dead. That's a dead situation because when you look up, then all these people show up to your funeral and all this other garbage talking about I've shown miss. You wouldn't have to miss them if you would have said something to help them. Right. You know what I'm saying? And to this day, like I said, man, I say, I told them, I just came out and told them, I was like, man, you was wrong with two left shoes. Because you should have opened your mouth. You had a responsibility to open your mouth and say something about your fellow brother that was in trouble and needed help. You don't know what he could have said or gave some direction to help that lady. And the funny thing about it, like I said, and I, it ain't funny, but it's just play on words, but she was a minister too. So just because you know certain things don't mean that you won't go through same struggles as everybody else. And that to me was so messed up because I was looking at that situation just like, if I was in trouble, what would you do? Mm -hmm. You know, now I'm looking at you like, what would you do if I was in trouble? No matter how I wanted to hide something or say something or do something, you know what I'm saying, that I know will bring harm to me and then eventually ripple down to affect my family, would you help? Because in this situation, I didn't see no help. With, I, he didn't try to help. What's interesting to me is the level of his insecurity and violence. Because to me, a lot of times when women are being abused like that, I, to me, again, I'm not no licensed counselor and all of that, but to me, some of it is the lack of security that this person feels about themselves. Mm-hmm to have to be trying to hit you. Well, that's just, like I say, I agree. That's with anything that anybody does. Like, you, you, you came out of a situation dealing with some unprofessional people in, in your last employment. Oh, so, oh, so, so, yeah, you, was horrible. 
you, 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 they expect you to take whatever they give you and dish out to you because you are being employed by them. But no, that doesn't work. So they, you're going to allow somebody to talk down to you and try to tell you what you can and cannot do because it makes them feel good. And then when you turn that situation around and be nice to them, they still don't catch the concept that I'm trying to, you know, better the situation so you don't have to come into a job and walk on eggshells. You, you'd be surprised the things that I do um, with people who are at my job, man. I try to make the best environment for them, you know what I'm saying, so they don't have to come in and be tense and work around other tense people. You know what I'm saying? And the things that I do in my job is is like, it's crazy, but like I work around a whole bunch of nurses and a whole bunch of death all day long. And like I say, in that type of field, you get desensitized to a lot of different things. But if you have a person that's coming in stressed all the time, nine times out of 10, one day they're going to come in here and something's going to pop off. It's, 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 it's just what it is. And it, and I, I have had friends who have been in abusive relationships and some of them have went on and got out of those relationships and some of them stayed with them people for whatever reason. I don't think or advocate to put your hands on nobody. <laughs> but 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 look at the but but look at the level of his psychosis because you're fighting with your gal both y'all drunk okay 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 but you have a history of beating her the hell up okay so okay and 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 you y'all fighting y'all fighting Okay, she probably didn't got to the point. Y'all done been together for a while now. She probably didn't got to the point where she fighting back. Okay. So, but the level of his psychosis, you get to the next day and you done went to sleep. You wake up and you telling the kids, look at her, she ruined Christmas. <laughs> cuckoo for cocoa puffs i'm just this is the level of your insecurity that even after she did and you done killed her you mad at her because she died so now you i mean what's what's the difference and like i say all the famous names in history what's the difference with adolf hitler what is the difference with joseph stalin Napoleon. What is the difference with Idi Amin? What is the difference with John? Same psychosis Wayne? to me. It like that's what I'm saying. Is is what's the what's the difference with John Wayne Gacy? What's the difference between uh what, what was the man named Ted Bundy, Jack the Ripper? All these people who came through history and did these traumatic things to people you know, for whatever reason. And nine times out of 10, it was probably because somebody didn't show them love when they was growing up. Something to to encourage them in something that could be beneficial 
to to whatever. Like I believe I believe in generational curses. I mean, if you grow up in an alcoholic family and you see your dad drinking every doggone day, and your son is around that, uh, apparently, uh, and, and the the likelihood of him being an alcoholic is great. Well, the grandma said in court when she had her time to talk, she said he beat and tortured my daughter and at the same time mentally assassinated her children. He showed her no mercy. Let's show him no mercy. Well, there's a text that says an I for a nine, a two for a two five. I ain't got to tell you what. But just think of the level that these children have got to overcome of sitting there watching him beat beat her up. Let me stop saying that word. Beat her up. Helping him take the glass shards out of her head and she's bleeding profusely probably. No doubt about that. Watching him systematically lay her in the bed and not call 911. And then watching him, witnessing him drag her down the stairs because now her body's probably way heavy. Yeah, because it's, it's actually dead weight. It has no mobility. So, yeah. Extreme. And put sunglasses on her to cover her eyes because she probably looked like a zombie. Dead. Pupils dilated and fixed, dead, no life in the eyes, yeah. And dead. then accuse her of him having a bad Christmas. So, okay, so like, you know, I, I am, uh, I read some of everything. So there's a text, and I'm, I'm not going to tell you where it's found, but it's in a book. <laughs> and the, okay you sound a little like lavar burn right now reading rainbow in a book take a look so, oh okay sorry Gone. Says, but we wrestle not against flesh and blood but against principalities high powers the rulers of darkness and of this age what it was telling you in that text is the simple fact it ain't what you see that causes the problem is what you don't see that causes the problem. It's the spirit of people who have that lives in them that is really affecting what we see and what we can smell, touch, and taste. So if you have a spirit in you that's a devilish spirit to say, then this is the thing that you get. That is the manifestation that's going to, to show up. And you, and like I said, you think about like all those people I named through history who had that type of spirit. So, I mean, you think, what are, what are you, what are you going to do? People, people put in the physical into a penitentiary, but that don't stop them from being who they are. How can you lock up something that you can't see? It's all about he in there with other. He in there with other killers. No, but what I'm saying is, it, you can be in there with other killers. But what I'm saying is, that doesn't that doesn't change who you are. 
if you don't recognize the problem with who you are, then how can you change it? And a lot of people shy away from isolation. There's a thing in the penitentiary system called the hole. Most people go crazy in the hole because they don't have nothing else around them but to deal with themselves. And most people spend their life not dealing with themselves. So, I mean, <laughs> this is what you get. So by 9.30 that day, the next day, he called 911. So this was after Christmas, this was the 26th or the 27th? 25th. Oh, 25th. So they was fighting the 24th. Okay, gotcha, okay. But by 9.30 on Christmas Day, that's when he, that's when it finally sunk in. Oh, maybe it didn't sink in. Maybe he just planned it that way. He called nine one one. Was that at eight? Uh, what nine thirty a.m. or p.m.? A.m. Oh, okay. So he didn't wait all day. Yeah, it sunk in. Like I ain't mad no more. Oh my he god, got, she dead. He ain't got no reason to be. <laughs> oh my god, she dead. I didn't mean to do that, baby, baby. I'm sorry. Too late for that. He calls 911 and says his wife needs medical attention. So he giving a bedside confession to a dead person already? Oh, baby, baby, I ain't mean to do that. Last rights in his right. <laughs> That's a funny. Wow. We really had a good time talking about this episode and come back and join us next time for Insane Rhetoric.